are listening to the podcast of the White Church at the Elk River YMCA in Minnesota. Our mission is to seek Jesus, connect together, and share His love. We have two readings for this Sunday in Mark 4, verse 35, and then from there we'll flip to Psalm 91. Jesus calms the storm. That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind and said to the waves, quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Switching to Psalm 91. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely he will save you from the foul snare and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. Thank you, Esther, for reading scripture for us. Well, this is the fifth Sunday in Lent. These 40 days leading up to Easter are coming now into the home stretch. Next Sunday is already Palm Sunday. Really, no matter what's happening around us, the truth of the gospel marches on in all of its splendor. Today, a new day has dawned, and the death and resurrection of Jesus is our sunset and our sunrise. I want to ask you as we begin our study in scripture this morning, what are some of the words that you've heard lately to describe this time that we're in? Difficult? Yes. Uncertain, surreal, unprecedented, overwhelming. I'm amazed at how the days can turn on a dime. How we were heading into an early spring and it was the beginning of March. All the routines of the month and of normal life before us, but a change of events, the spread of a disease, the effect on an economy, the closing of our schools, and we have found ourselves very quickly in an unexpected crisis. And we have been so reminded these past days that life is fragile and things can change so rapidly. But we take great hope in the Lord's unfailing love, that he is the same despite all this change around us. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And in the season of Lent, we have had the privilege of declaring his unchanging character. Even as the world has changed so quickly around us, we have stood upon who Jesus is. And each Sunday, we have picked another of his attributes to praise. Jesus is powerful, we said in the first week. Then Jesus is humble. Jesus is peace. Jesus is the overcomer. And then our theme now for today, Jesus is our shelter. And so we ask the table question, the the living room question, wherever you are as you listen to this, 
when was a time when you had to seek shelter in a storm? A dozen years ago now, I moved back to Minnesota after living for quite a few years a long ways away. And the thing that I found is, you know, when you've been away for a while, you start to miss things about home that maybe for all those years before you'd taken for granted. And so what was one of the first things that I wanted to do when we moved back to Minnesota? Go fishing. I know it's a very Minnesota answer to give, but it's the truth. When Esther and I moved here, it was the month of July, and no sooner had we arrived and I was out there fishing again with my dad and brother-in-law. And that particular day, first day back on the water, we thought we'd float the river, the Mississippi, dropped in in Monticello and floated down in our canoe to Otsego. And so there we were, a beautiful day, very memorable. In fact, I caught this fish. It's also a very Minnesota thing to uh, show off the fish that you caught. Maybe if I hold it closer to the camera, it will even look bigger. I don't know. I took this picture that day. No sooner did we take this picture when a normal fishing outing took a very different turn of events. In fact, if you could see this a little closer, you would see the first drops of rain that are on my t-shirt. And you would see on the surface of the Mississippi there, the first drops of water hitting the surface of the river. And in fact, this one you can see in the background, you see very ominous clouds that are coming up behind us. What happened after I caught that fish was a storm that had developed faster than we could hardly think just showed up and we had to get to shore immediately. I mean, this storm carried a vengeance. There was thunder and lightning and we're sitting ducks out there on the river in a canoe. So we scrambled onto the land and we tucked our canoe up on the riverbank, and then we just ran through the trees, through the woods, until we arrived at someone's property where we took cover in a shed, which they'd conveniently left open for us. The thing I remember about this is, you know, when a storm is so bad that you have to run for shelter, I mean, you just don't forget it. It was one of those moments where you see the sheer force of nature and how little control we have over it, and all you can do is take shelter. And so I want to ask you this morning, what do you do in life when something with a lot of force moves in unexpectedly? What do you do when your perfect day on the water gets interrupted and upended by chaos and disaster? And this, we know, is not some theoretical exercise here. The question isn't if storms exist. It's if you know where to run because they do. That's what we want to talk about today. Jesus is our shelter. And the first of our two passages comes from Mark chapter 4. If you have that open in front of you, we are in verse 35. And as we turn towards this text, you know, what a little delight to our Minnesota hearts that here we find Jesus in a boat on the water. You know, we get these things. This makes sense to us. It's evening, and Jesus and his disciples are going for a boat ride. Now, the lake that they're crossing is a big one. So you have to imagine something like Malax or Leech or Upper Red or Rainy. This is a big body of water. It's called the Sea of Galilee. It's so big. But it is, in fact, a freshwater lake. The Sea of Galilee is a big lake, 13 miles long and eight miles wide. 
And the weather patterns here and the topography around the lake basically make it like a funnel for severe storms. They come out of nowhere and can be very, very violent upon the water. And that is exactly what happened here to Jesus and his disciples on their boat ride. They were crossing from west to east. And I think we have to remind ourselves too, you know, they weren't out there in some big fancy Lund Pro V series with a big motor on the back. This was all by hand. They're rowing the oars. And this storm caught them completely by surprise. And the disciples are miles out on the water. And I'm going to pick up just reading verse 37 and 38. A furious squall, and some translations say a furious windstorm came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. Now, isn't that remarkable? I mean, the boat is about to go under and Jesus is fast asleep. Now, was it because he was so exhausted? after ministering to crowds and crowds of people? Or was it simply a sign of his divine omnipotence, like an overture to the display of his power that we're about to see? We don't know. We just know that he was asleep, and his disciples were absolutely terrified. So it says in the second half of 38, the disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? Now, if this was a theatrical reading, we know that I would have to be screaming those words into the sound of a storm. So as we read this, don't let these just be words on a page. I want you to imagine it like a movie and try to see it and picture this in your mind. It was life or death out there, a violent storm, a boat about to sink, grown men crying out for fear of death. And what are they saying? Don't you care if we drown? But I want to ask you behind that question, what are they really saying? You know, sometimes we can be in a situation so bad that we begin to question the character of God. That's what's going on here. Don't you care? Sometimes the turn of events can be so bad that it makes you wonder if God really cares. So what do you and I do when an evening boat ride in our life turns into a nightmare? And you're not sure that you're going to make it to the other side. Where do you find shelter? Where do you take cover? And I want you to hear this as clear as anything I have ever said to you. You take cover in the character of God. Our shelter is Jesus Christ. We're going to come back to Mark 4 in just a minute, but if you turn with me quick to Psalm 91. Psalm 91, the Psalms are in basically the middle of your Bible. Find Psalm 91, verse 1. I find that when I'm struggling or things are happening that I don't understand, I just have to run to Scripture and remember who God is. And I want to encourage you these days to be running to Scripture to be reminded this is what he's like. This is the way he has always been, even with everything changing around me. So in verse 1 of the 91st Psalm, we read, Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. And I want you to see in that verse the connection there between shelter and rest. 
that his shelter is our resting place. Like me, finally getting out of that storm, he invites us to take shelter in him, which is where we finally find rest. And I think of these words of Jesus in Matthew 11, where he says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. And he's saying essentially, come to me, I will give you shelter. I am your shelter. And I love the word for shelter in, in Psalm 91. Uh, such a powerful word in, in Hebrew. It's the word sether. And sether is the Hebrew word for shelter. It appears in the Bible 36 times, and many of those times are right here in the Psalms. And that makes sense because the Psalms are where we find these writers calling to mind who God is. And so Psalm 61.4 says, I long to dwell in your tent forever and take refuge in the shelter, in the sether of your wings. Because that's who God is. He is our shelter. It's a beautiful and, and rich word. And it gets translated in some other ways too, as you were to read through uh, where this appears. Sometimes it appears as refuge or secret place. Or here's a favorite of mine. You can jot this down sometime and look it up. Psalm 32, 6 and 7, where it says, Therefore, let all the faithful pray to you while you may be found. Surely the rising of the mighty waters, and there, I mean, I think of Mark 4 in this boat, surely the rising of the mighty waters will not reach them. You are my hiding place. There it is. You will protect me from trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance. You are my hiding place. You know, maybe you're finding you have some extra time to read these days. And so if you're looking for something to read or to listen to, an audiobook, I just want to suggest to you a book by Corey Ten Boom called The Hiding Place. That is exactly what she and her family created in their home. Out of their Christian convictions, they created a hiding place for people during the Holocaust. And really, they in, in themselves were not under any risk. They could have kept their heads down and been fine. But as followers of Jesus, they felt so compelled to create a hiding place in their home. And they saved many, many lives, but they did so at great risk and peril to themselves. Corey and her family were eventually caught by the Nazis and sent to concentration camps. Corey survived, but both her father and her sister died. As I was recalling this story, thinking about the hiding place, I was asking myself, did they ever regret their hiding place? Do you think Corey ever wondered, God, don't you care if we drown? This was her perspective. I, I want to answer that in her own words. She said, in darkness, God's truth shines most clear. In darkness, God's truth shines most clear. How do you say that when you do what's right, but you still end up losing? How do you say that when you're serving the Lord and your family members still pass away? I think she was able to say it, and I think we're able to say it, when we remember the character of God. And I want to give you an idea to try this week. In the next few days, would you write down a list of some of the attributes of God? 
Just write down a list of his characteristics, what he's like. What do I know to be true about him? And that's basically what we've been doing now during the season of Lent, finishing the sentence, Jesus is. And we've only done five so far in our time together, but we could have kept going a long time. And I'd like you to do that this week. In fact, I want to give you a number to aim for, maybe a a significant number right now, and that's the number 19. See if you can come up with 19 things, attributes, truths, characteristics about who Jesus is. Uh, Because 19 is what we're hearing all the time right now. We hear COVID-19, COVID-19. And why don't we answer that with 19 of our own declarations about God? And I'll just give you some examples. And, And we haven't studied these or preached on them, but we could have kept going, right? We could have said, Jesus is good. He is loving. He's kind. He's merciful. He's true. He is perfect. He is compassionate. And now I I want you to pick it up from there and see if you can come up with 19 of them. And then I would so encourage you to do this. Match a scripture passage to each one. And you don't need to be intimidated by that task. You know, you might feel like I'm, I'm so new to the Bible. I won't even know where to look. And And so I want to give you a couple ideas. You could go to a concordance in the back of your Bible where you can look up those key words like goodness, love, kindness, whatever your list of 19 looks like. And you could also just use Google and look words up that way. But what we're trying to do is take time to remember and speak the character of God. Such a powerful thing to do. And it's exactly what Psalm 91 is doing. So back to our passage here in verse 2, it says, I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. And those aren't just words of deep comfort and assurance for us, but make no mistake about it, those are fighting words. Derek Kidner opens his whole commentary on Psalm 91 by saying, this is a psalm of danger. And so making that kind of declaration is a weapon against any assault of evil. He's saying, he is my refuge, my fortress, my God in whom I trust. The psalm for danger. And so verse 3 says, surely he will save you from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. And then look at the beautiful imagery there in verse 4. He will cover you with his feathers and under his wings you will find refuge. And what a tender picture that is, isn't it? You know, it won't be long now and the birds will have their nests built in our yards. They'll be covering their eggs and then caring for their young. And I just think it's amazing that God wrote that picture into the Bible and said, that's what I'm like. I think it must have brought such sadness to Jesus to hear the disciples ask in that boat, Don't you care if we drown? You know, to doubt his love for them like that. I was thinking of this picture that we see in Psalm 91 and remembering in Matthew 23 that Jesus looks out upon the city where he is about to be crucified and he says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how often I've longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. You see who Jesus is? This is his character. 
This is how much he cares about you. So let's here go back to that boat and finish. In Mark 4, where we left off, the storm was raging. The boat was sinking. The disciples were terrified. There's nowhere to run. And where could they take cover out there? Where was their shelter? Are you seeing it? Do you know? Their shelter was in the boat with them. It wasn't a place. It was a person. And it says he got up, rebuked the wind and the waves, and it was completely calm. And he said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? My brothers and sisters, do not be afraid of these days. I want you to know that you are not alone at sea and your shelter is not a building. Esther and I are living this in a pretty raw way right now. It's just a few days ago that we got the news on Thursday that her brother, Joe, died completely unexpectedly at age 43. He leaves behind a wife and three young children, elementary school age kids. He leaves behind heartbroken parents and siblings. So these have been difficult days in our home and for our family. But we have said together, the Lord has not left us to drown. But he is our shelter in all things, in life and in death. We are saying and clinging to the fact that his promises never fail. And so Esther and I want to encourage you in your walk with the Lord, as you move into this new week, that wherever you take shelter, that you would make sure it's in the shadow of his wing. That will be your hiding place. And there is where you will find rest in the character of God. Let's pray together. Oh Lord God, you are our shelter. You are our hiding place. Your word says the name of the Lord is a strong tower. And so, Lord, we run to you. We run to the strength of your name and your character. And we ask that you would take our fear and increase our faith this week. We ask this in Jesus' name and for his sake and glory. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Y Church Podcast. For more information about the Y Church, check us out online at thewhychurch.org.